I was on Instagram at some point, <laughs> more than one point in time, and uh, I came across this guy singing a song, and, uh, and I remember just thinking, thank you, Justin. Looking good this morning, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you try, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember uh, just seeing this guy who's singing a song, man, I just, I think it's because we look alike, but I, I just remember just going, man, this is, this is good. And I remember going and finding out, researching his story a little bit, and his story's incredible. I'm not going to steal his thunder. Um, and I remember Instagramming him. In fact, the, what I Instagrammed was he was playing, he, had, he was showing a basketball court at a house, and I just thought, there, there's my in. And I said, when are you going to invite me over to play basketball? That was the first thing I ever said to Abraham Alexander. When are you going to invite me over to play basketball? And I don't remember. You said something back. We, like, we knew right then. And then we had lunch. I asked him to come out to our church. We had lunch, and, um, uh, and he drank my water. And, uh, and so now we were brothers. But it was, it was clear the moment we sat down and just hung out for a second that, um, that we were, uh, man, we were really uh, about the same thing. And our heart beat for the same things. And uh, so I'm just really excited, and I'm going to ask, actually ask Abraham to come on up. And, um, thank you, Brandon. Awesome. Wasn't that good this morning? Wasn't that so good? I liked it. Um, I wanted to kind of, here's the thing, here's why we're doing this. We, we've been in this series uh, called From the Dust, and it's, it's been all about why we were created. Have you ever wondered why you were made? Um, and, and I think it's actually one of the big questions we deal with as people uh, on a very consistent, regular basis. We deal with this question of why are we here? And it's why Purpose Driven Life is the best-selling book of all time outside of the Bible. Because we are curious why we live every day. And if we didn't have a purpose, why would we ask ourselves about it all the time? Why would we worry so much about the decisions we make or the jobs we have or the people we interact with? We, we have this innate uh, inward desire to know why we are breathing every single day. And, and it's actually one of the leading reasons why we get frustrated or discouraged is because we don't feel like we do know. Have you ever been paralyzed by that question, what am I supposed to do next? Come on. And uh, I know I've had that a few times. And, and so we were, we've been in this series about calling. We've been made in the image of God. And that word image does not mean you look like him. It means you carry the same weight. It means that you have been given the same responsibility, that you are here to reflect and reproduce, that you are responsible for the creation he has made. And so we started talking about this idea that we tend to separate Sunday from Monday, that the sacred and the secular are separated. And, and as I w looked at Abraham's story and looked at some of the things he was doing, I realized this isn't a guy who separates uh, his faith from who he is. I think one of the great tragedies of the church is that we've convinced ourselves that Sunday is somehow more, or, uh, more important than Monday. And that somehow what we do on Monday does not matter as much as what we do on a Sunday. And the reality is, is those things are actually meant to work together. Amen? And, and so I, wanna, I wanted to sit with Abraham and just get his view on this. And, and, and here's the thing. I think more often than not, we don't have enough conversations. More often than not, we just don't have the conversations that bring about any real change. More often than not, because we don't allow them to get to the point of challenging. 
right? We love the conversations that are about football and about where you're working and about all those things. Have you written any music lately? But when you ask the question, where did that music come from? Why did you write that song? Why did you do those things? That's when you get into the place. And how do you know our, our country is in a place where we could do better to have conversations? Amen? And getting around the table, that's why we love dinner parties. And so I wanted to sit with Abraham and just kind of get his story, but also talk about this idea of discovering and being intentional about who you are and your calling. And, 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 and I just, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the series. We've been in it for a few weeks. But I, I, um, I want to just kind of, how do you live that? How do you live that every day, that faith? How do you make sure that's integrated into who you are and what you're doing? Because Christians, we're really great at saying it's not about what you do, it's about who you are, right? Which is maybe not actually true. Um, it is about who you are, but who you are should ultimately affect what you do. And so if what you do is not changing, then maybe who you are has not fully transformed. Amen. And so the idea that they should be connected somehow. And so I wanted to talk to Abraham a little bit. So I want to just kind of give everybody an idea of who you are. I mean, yeah, you're a great musician and sing well and look good and all those kind of things. Um, I'm comfortable. Are you comfortable? We good. And uh, I just wanted to get him to just real quickly, if you would, just kind of introduce yourself and maybe just give some of the, the major kind of milestones in your life, the things that have kind of brought you to this place where now not only are you singing and, and leading on a, a Sunday morning in church, but you're actually also now doing that in, in what we might call the secular world. Are you a Christian artist? Well, I'm a Christian and I'm good at what I do. And that's a great testimony in and of itself. But I, I, how did you kind of end up here? Because you were born in, uh, in Athens, Greece. Correct. And now Correct. you're in Fort Worth. Texas, very Fort Worth. similar places from what I can it tell. It is, it is. Um, for Texans, everything looks like Texas, right? Fort Worth, beautiful There's nothing Texas. different. Um, yeah, just give us a little bit of an introduction. Give us a snapshot of who you are. So I was born in Athens, Greece, and lived there for 11 years. Uh, and people always say, so were your you know, parents military? Uh, no, they were musicians, and they traveled around and uh, ended up in Greece. So that's how they met each other. Yeah. And uh, Greece was beautiful. Uh, but in school, I was the only black kid, and so uh, I was treated differently. But I didn't know exactly why I was treated differently. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't because of that, like innocence of a child. And so, like this ideology in my head was like, it's because I'm too cool for them. Yeah. You know, like you know. Come on, and man. So, That's right. So, so I would go and 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 do my own thing, and I would ride a bike and just just go off and and and, and take off. And I had this creative imagination and and i had one toy and and and, and that was a, a white power ranger uh yeah yeah and, and i would take that thing everywhere i would duct tape it to my bike and and, and just go um and it just there was such a racial tension in 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 greece um at the time and the economy was collapsing and so I, for me as a kid, I was like, I love this place. You know, this is, this is home. You don't know anything right, right. else. And, um, but, but my, you know, parents were like, all right, it's time for us to, to leave. And I was like, why? Why should we leave? Like, this, this place is amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was the decision. And so my uh, dad left first. Came, came to Texas, and he had a few friends around here, and that's how he knew that Texas was the place to, to be at. 
and everyone says good morning, and everyone says hello. You know, so that was like, all right. It's that place where you, you, everybody was really nice to you, but you're not actually sure they like you? you no, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, and so they're like, do they like me? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Um, and so, so it was my mother and then two brothers. I've got, I'm the middle child. <clears throat> and uh, this is kind of where the glass broke for me. And, and uh, we were going through the store, Scalp Supermarket, and I was walking through the, the aisle and a bag of chips fell. I picked up the bag of chips and I put it back on the shelf and then someone came and was like, why'd you touch that? And why'd you put mm. it back? Because no one's going to buy that now. Mm. Wow. And uh, yeah, and, and, and uh, then this whole supermarket just like just ganged up on us and uh, we had to leave. So we dropped everything and, and, and we left. And I was like, what happened? Yeah. And that's when the glass broke. Like, there's, there's something different, mm. not just with me, and I'm too cool for everyone else and my friends, but it's us as a whole. And uh, then there was adolescence and, 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 and knowing, okay, it's because of the color of my skin. Yeah. And, and so that's why we came to, to the United States was because of the tension and also the economy collapsing. And uh, we, we, we moved straight to Irving, was, was where we ended up. And um, my, my dad signed me up for everything possible, signed me up for football thinking it was soccer. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, first, first day, awesome. we uh, were, were running a 100-yard dash. And I beat everyone by 15 yards. I'm not just bragging. Like, this is what happened. That's legit. Yeah, yeah, this is legit. This is, this is what happened. And, uh, <clears throat> and so second day, we're getting our pads. And I was like, oh, it's American football. I don't want to play. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, coach was like, no. You just beat my whole team yeah. by 15 yards. You're playing on my team. <laughs> and uh, I was like, no. Uh, and uh, he ended up, would pick me up, drop me off, uh, buy me lunch, and uh, taught me how to play Madden. And that's kind of how Come I learned on. football. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, when we first got to, to Texas, um, between nine months or so, my mom was killed by a drunk driver. Hmm. And I couldn't speak English at the time. So, like, this, like, could speak English, uh, didn't have any friends, um, and, and still try to get accustomed to the culture. And my, my dad just lost it and uh, kind of locked himself up and went through a horrible depression. Uh, and mm. my father and I were, weren't close to begin with. Like, my mom was like my rock. Mm. And, and for me, like, I contemplated suicide. Went, went to the verge, and my brother came in, and, and mm. younger brother. And uh, my language teacher at the time, uh, and, and the reason I was in her class was because I got in trouble because I didn't talk in class. Yeah. Um, and they found out, oh, he doesn't speak any English. Let's, let's put her in English as a second language for those who are educators. And so that's where they placed me. And... <clears throat> She would see me come in, and I looked rough than the day I was before. And she's like, what's going on to my kid? Like, he looks awful. And uh, 
came to the house and found out what happened and uh, kind of fostered us. And, and, and first thing she did was take us to church. Hmm. And the message, the first message was, <clears throat> there is a God who's closer <laughs> than yeah. a brother. Yeah. And who's a father to the fatherless. And uh, at the time, you know, being, being motherless, and I wasn't close to my dad to begin with, and so that resonated with me. And, and I remember just looking over to my brothers and was like, I want to know this person. Yeah. Like, I want to know who this is, who's, who's, who's going to be close to me, and, and, and who's going to shepherd me, and who's going to wipe my slate clean. Yeah. And so that's, that's my first encounter with, with the love of, of Christ and what it does through people. And, and just how everything was planned out for me to be at that moment, at that time. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I, it's, as we talked about that, when we, when we sat and hung out, we chatted a bit about that whole situation. And we, every time we would bring up the next layer of your story and the next layer of what you were talking about, it was clear how important people, not just people, but people intentional uh, about loving one another, about caring for one another, about noticing when someone's not doing well. When, and, and, and in fact, we actually talked about the idea that you got in trouble, which is how you got in the class that actually led to you discovering who Jesus was. Oh, I got a spanking for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Because that's like, what they did back yeah, in the day. Yeah. I don't know if they're allowed to do that anymore. But, it's like, why uh, are you getting in trouble? No, I, yeah. Say something. Say, say anything. Say, say Greek. And, um, you know, like, <laughs> so they know. Uh, um, and how important it was that people, so th- them just noticing and being part of your life, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, but the idea that, that every single one of us, as we go through our day, has an opportunity to do something that we may never see the fruit of, that we may never know of, but we, are, we have the opportunity to, to treat, and I think what we want, we want people to be, hum- we want humanity to do what it's meant to do. And I think the only way that happens is if we treat people with inherent value, that humans actually are valuable regardless. And what, and, and with your mom passing away, and then with your dad, understandably going through one of the toughest seasons for him, and like you said, not already being close. And you, I remember you t- we talking, us talking about this. You've been through these difficult moments. You've, you've, you've had this, these people step into your life. But the guitar was not like the first thing you picked up. Like this was not like this is you. There was a part of you that didn't because your dad was a musician. And right. you're like yeah. you kind of pushed that off. So tell me how through all of this, through this whole, the ups and downs and the most difficult moments of your life began to move back towards the thing that maybe in, in some part, despised a little bit or pushed away a little bit. Talk a little bit about those moments. What are the challenges? What allowed you to begin to walk into what you're doing today? So I played college soccer, <clears throat> and I, I tore my ACL. And I, my head, I, I, I played semi-pro indoor, and, and it's like, this is where I'm going. This is it. My identity is in this yeah, thing yeah. called soccer. And when I tore my ACL, like, I was wrecked. I was completely, like, what am I going to do, do now? Who am I? Um, and for me, I believe two things are universal languages. One is music. No matter who it is, what language they speak, as soon as you play music, like, that thing just resonates. Yeah. And, 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 and soccer, sports, like, throwing a f- football, 
like you can just sit there and not say a word yeah. and there's a bond just just happening and and I just kept hearing music and and it it, it just hit me to pick up a guitar and when I did it's like I should have done it you know right 20 years ago right. it 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 it's it's like it was my arm's been missing for so long um and and then god just began to minister through me and that's kind of how let the earth shake was was me being depressed and and saying okay my my identity is gone and then me just kind of spilling my 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 words and make, making my relationship with christ even more personal yeah. saying on the cross i was in his eyes yeah um and music just kind of became my love language and 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 my language to god and his to mine and um yeah and how does that how does that play out because like you said you're not you don't just play christian music mm -hmm. worship mm -hmm. um right now you got a song out america you're gonna play in just a moment yeah. and you, you, you just traveled to london did some really cool things you just how does the story that you've walked through the Jesus that you love, how does the faith that you have work its way into, you know, when you're sitting down writing a song about America, or you're writing a song about whatever, or, you, or you're traveling with a band, or you're, how do you make sure that, one, you stay true to who you are in Christ, um, and yet do what you do well, because I think we can, we can begin to think that somehow those are separate things, mm -hmm. that I can do my job well, and then I can love Jesus well, and somehow those stay separate. I'm a Christian, and I'm a, where really the way God has set it up is that I'm a Christian, and it invades every other domain of my life. So how do you, and, and, and really in an industry that is not like propping up people who love Jesus, it's not, it's not championing that, it's not going, let's go find the next guy who's going to put Jesus in his songs, you know, like, and be positive about what, you know. How do you work that out? How do you kind of make sure that you stay true to who you are in Christ, your faith, and what that means to you, and bring that into every domain, especially an industry or a, a calling like this one? The thing is, there is no splitting. The if, if, if you're a believer, yeah. there is no splitting the two. Yeah. Like, who, who, who are you? Who created you? Yeah. And it was a creative God who created you. Yeah. And so everything that you create in order for you to connect with your God has to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the the fire, the passion, the gifting that God's given you is like his fingerprint. Yeah. And so the more that you do that, the more that you you work on your craft, the more that you take your time to figure out what that is, that feeling is God saying, That's my son. That's my daughter. Um and, and then when we begin, so God said in the beginning, I created you in my own image. Yeah. I don't look like Brandon. He's a good looking dude, but I don't look like him. Thanks. Even though he says we look alike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a little difference between us. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that I created you. Yeah. But when we come together, yeah. we put up an image of who Christ is. Yeah. When we all come together, it's like those those pictures where it's like all different little ones. And then once you back away, you see the big picture. Like that's what Christianity is. That's what loving your neighbor is. That's what's um, his fingerprint. Like so one of the biggest challenges for me is is trying to be 
who I am and not trying to copy everyone yeah, else, right. um, which is a, a, a struggle in, in our culture in general. It's like it, we're, we're, we're trying to run this race on a treadmill and not going anywhere because we're trying to be like someone else. Yeah. But when you do what God created you to do and use the gift things that he gave you, he shines through it because yeah. he gave you those abilities. Um, we have a creative God. He created us in a creative manner, and when yeah. we create, we put up a picture of who he is. Yeah, so um, good. So, yeah. yeah, and that's, you know, you, you kind of touched on it. The idea that um, that we, we really do kind of chase other people's uh, future. We kind of chase other people's presentation of who they are. And for you, in, in a, again, and it's not really just your industry. I mean, I think any place, whether we're in a cubicle on a Monday or we're writing music or we're parenting our children or whatever it is, it's so easy for us to kind of lose our identity. And you even touched on it a moment ago that, that one of the things when you tore your ACL and uh, you began to wonder who you were. Yeah. How do you, in the midst of all the things you've walked through, all the things you've done, and in it again, in an industry where it, image is everything, right? I mean, the, the the most powerful thing you can do in this world is create an image, and the second most powerful thing you can do is destroy one. And we love to do that seesaw. We love to build somebody up and make them something, and then give them their shine for just a few days, weeks, months, and then we immediate the moment there's a crack in the surface, we pull them down. And so, how do you stay? true to who you are and that image you just talked about um, and I know you just said there's no separation but maybe even talk about some of the struggles you deal with to make sure that you're staying true because you're not chasing quote-unquote fame you're not chasing uh, you, you do want success but you want it in a way that God has uh, made it for you um, how, how do you deal with those moments when you look at somebody and you go well they're they're doing it like this maybe I should do it like that and if they just did this and how do you make sure that you stay so uh, we've heard that story, build your house upon a rock yeah. or build your house upon sand. Yeah. And so the rock is his word. The rock is um, him. Yeah. And, and when your faith stands on that, no matter what comes your way, like you're, you're good. And so living in that fingerprint that Christ gave me, yeah. As in, this is what I created you be, and and this is your story, and this is the gifting that 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 I've given you. Yeah. And when you do that, that's when I can work. Don't yeah. give me what Joe has. Yeah. Because I can't work with what Joe has for you. Yeah. But I can work with what I gave Abraham, and yeah. I can take that and I can multiply it. Yeah. Um, and instead of you know the story about par parables and and someone taking it and burying it. And it's yeah. like, I just can't, like, no, like, give me what you have. Yeah. Let me use it. And I can work in the ministry that I've given you to work. It's like, he hasn't given me Joe's ministry to work and he hasn't given me Joe's abilities, yeah. but he's given me a passion of my own and he's given me this craftsmanship and that's what he's called me to do. And so absolutely right. um, for me, not to way waver, it's like, okay, what are the things that he's given me? I may not sing like Mariah Carey. Yeah. Or I may not play like Jimi Hendrix, but he's given me a voice of my own. Yeah. And so that's what I need to use to bring him glory. Yeah. Man, and I had that, you know, I had a struggle just last week or so. I was really frustrated and because um, that happens. And we just kind of dealing with some things internally. And I remember talking to a buddy of mine who's planted a church in San Francisco. And he said, man, I um, 
talked to another pastor, and he said there's a, there's a verse in Isaiah that says, the boundaries you set for me are beautiful. And whether they're this or whether they're that, the boundaries you set for me are beautiful. And this confession of our hearts that where you've placed me is I'm going to trust you in it. And I think one of the things we misrepresent about unity is that it's uniformity, that somehow it means we all look the same, sound the same. But the reality is that the unity is only strong when it's diverse. It's only actually healthy. and str- So when you go to a place and, and all that oh, makes good. you happy is that you all look the same, you need to run. Because that is not what, and I'm not saying don't, you know, you're going to end up invariably hanging out with people who love the Cowboys because that's God's team. But like you, but, but <laughs> what gives you, but what gives the football, I see you, DeAndre, what gives you, what gives you strength on a football team is not that everybody's a quarterback. I don't care if, if 11 guys could throw the football down the field, but there's no one down there to catch it, then it just does not matter. And the diversity, the, the, the fact that we all are different ages, that we all come from different economic places, that we all have different backgrounds. We didn't know the story about Abraham until we heard it, and we always assume that he just wrote a good song because it just showed up one day. No, you go through things, and you allow God to build out of those things. Because God didn't cause it all, but he for, he for sure can use it, right? He can use everything that's been done. And and, and so I think that's the story. And you wrote a song. I'm going to have you play it in uh, just a second um, after you answer this question. You wrote a song called America. And in a season where our country loves, we love to choose sides. And, and I think, I, I don't have any problem with the fact that we all might have different views on how things should play out and what they should look like. And I get all of that. But understanding that first, before anything else, that I should sit at the table and love you and have empathy and understand. And I, I told Abraham this the other day at coffee. If, if I can't sit at the table and at least in some part take responsibility for where we are as a country or where we are as a church or where we are as a family, then there is no use in having the conversation. If I can't first take some responsibility, then there is no reason for the person across the table to take responsibility. And so the, 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 the issue for me in our country is not that we have issues. Because we are, that's, that's normal. I think the, the issue is that none of us will take responsibility for our own and then tell somebody about theirs. I, we, we, we love to do the whole speck in our eye, plank in someone else's kind of thing, right? We love to kind of, we, and my grandfather used to say, we, uh, we judge people on their actions. We judge ourselves on our intentions. What we intended to do was what we judge ourselves on. What they did, no matter what they intended to do, is what we judge them on. And, and I think it's understandable, like, so this song is, so tell me about the song, because it's not a song that you like, you may not be expecting to make a lot of friends with the song, but, you, yeah. but the idea of the song, but I think the heart of the song, I think that's the way some people would take it. Well, you know, just trying to make a point. No, yeah. no, I'm trying to tell you what's deep in my heart, what I'm dealing with, what I've dealt with in my past, and whether or not you agree with it, whether or not it's, whatever, I need you to understand it and at least empathize with it and at least come to the table so that we can deal with it the best way possible. And so tell me a little bit about the song, kind of what your heart behind it was, and then we'll have you play it. Right, so it started last year when the shooting happened yeah. in, in Dallas. And so it just, it was home. Like it was right next door yeah. and it hit me. And then immediately it was like blaming this group and it's like you meet me immediately like they're at fault this is it and 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 then like anger began to come up yeah. and it was this inner dialogue between my like within myself yeah and 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 me working through things and then coming to a conclusion that that god has me yeah and um 
uh, that, that there are no shackles on my feet. Um, and, and God has set me free. And so, yeah. and, and to be extremely thankful for those that have um, fought and for those that have given their lives and for those that have struggled in order for me to even be here yeah, right. and, and have this conversation. And it's, it's my turn to take that baton and Come go on. forward. It's, yeah. it's, it's my turn to, to use the voice that God's given me and speak truth. Yeah. Um, and, and my turn to shed light. And I feel like if I use Colgate to brush my teeth and you use Crest, like we can't smile at each other. Like that's yeah. how it is now. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. If, 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 if you're wearing blue and I'm wearing red, like, sorry, mate, like you got to keep going. Yeah. Uh, but, but just to have the awareness to, to be a Samaritan and just listen and, and have an open heart to actually have a conversation yeah like that all ends or or things start there and, and and typically could end right there to a better solution yeah is and and so this what this song was about is is for ears to be open and and hear the passion within the song and and kind of start a conversation yeah so so this song was to ultimately start a conversation between people that you might not understand, but you want to learn and, 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 and you want to know more. So that's yeah, so good, man. I'm going to let you get set up for that. I mean, you love just hearing from Abraham and his story. And, um, you know, we, we did the Good Samaritan verse just the other day. You mentioned that it popped into my head. And we define a, a neighbor because that's the question Jesus asked. Although, I don't know if you noticed, he starts the question by saying, who is your neighbor? He ends it by saying, so who was the neighbor? He's just trying to mess with your head that we're all neighbors. Um, but he said, but, but the reality of, of neighbor is that the word does not mean a location. It does not mean a, uh, that you, if you're across the street or you're, it, a neighbor simply means anyone other than self. If you come across anyone that is not you, they're your neighbor. And so you should love them as you love yourself. It's a little more challenging because I'd much rather limit it to the two people who live that way and the two people who live that way. And if they're three houses down and I don't like them, I can cut it off at two houses. You know, I'd much rather have the lines crossed. But, I, but the reality is, is that we have to start with love. And the, the universal calling, we all have our specific calling. The universal calling of all of us in all of our lives is that we would reflect Jesus, that we would reflect him in the world in which we live and that we would love people period. And if you'll start there, then you'll begin to discover more of who you are called uh, to be. I really love Abraham's story. I know there's way more to it. I just love the idea that we would sit down and have a conversation in church. I think so many times we model for you that the only way you can share your faith is if you have a mic in your hand, a Bible, and a pulpit. And I don't think that's right. I think actually more often than not, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's going to be you sitting at a table and you encouraging someone, loving someone, praying for someone. And so we wanted to model that. I really appreciate uh, Abraham being honest and open with his story. Why don't you just pay attention let him share this song with you. Uh. No, that's so, it's, that's so... That was so good. And it's not, listen, I'm, it's not just because it's a good song, right? And you, you got a guy singing it so well. But after, especially after hearing his story, you know that there's a, a heart behind it. And I love that ultimately this is not about the United States of America, but about the kingdom of heaven invading earth. Amen? 
And I think when we get those reversed, we can, we can sometimes look a little foolish. And I understand that for some of you, that stirs up different things. But I was on our, when we, we, we uh, sat down and had a coffee on a Tuesday morning that Livy made so well, and that was fantastic. Y'all need to go check out. I really am. I, I really do appreciate it. I know Abraham being here is amazing, but uh, Mikey being here and Livy being here really is very, very cool. And um, <laughs> Livy is uh, one of the baristas at Craftwork. Uh, but she really kind of makes the whole place a, a good place to hang. And she's just got this incredible personality and just a lot of joy in it. And Mikey, I don't, I don't know him super well, but I can just guess. I'm just guessed by our few interactions this morning that you're just one of these dudes that, that people depend on, that you're solid as a rock. And, uh, and so I appreciate you guys being here. But I want, I'm just going to read real quickly a verse, and we're going to close and worship. The guys are going to come back up in a moment. But one of my favorite books in the Bible is Ephesians. And the reason this song hits me so hard and, and Abraham's story hits me so hard, you know, honestly, to invite a worship team from another church is like two minutes down the road. That's like, you know, don't, like, you're serving like Chick-fil-A at McDonald's. Like, what are you doing? What are you, you know? And, uh, but I just, and one of the things Abraham said to me the other day, he said, man, we are, it, it's about the kingdom, not a castle. And we are here to be a church that loves the church and loves this city enough that we are raising up a church that loves other churches and that we are in this thing together. And uh, I think the enemy would love nothing more than for us to go, well, I'm not sure, like, does he, does, do they worship like us? Do they, like, no, you need to be, you need to experience some things other than your favorite. But Ephesians is one of my favorite books in, in a large part because of how much he talks about how we relate to one another. I think one of the things that Paul tries to do as he writes uh, his letters is restore for us the image of what it means to be human. Um, I think we oftentimes take it as rules and regulations, uh, but that is the furthest thing from Paul's mind. He, he is fighting for your freedom. He is doing everything he can to get you to a place where you discover again who you are made to become and how you relate to people and what you are made for. And so he's not trying to do something different than what God did when he created you in his image. He's actually trying to remind you that that's who you're called to be. And so condemnation is a word that we use whenever we feel like we have failed and we have moved backwards. Condemnation always reminds you of where you were and how to go back there and that you should go back there. You deserve to go back there. Conviction of the Holy Spirit always reminds you who you are, where you should go, and always does everything he can to push you that direction. And so we are uh, we're people. When, it's condom- when you think you should quit, that is not God. When you believe you can move forward even though the walls seem to be bigger than you can climb, uh, that's God saying, hey, Hey, I, I can do anything. I really can. I just, I really, really can. And Ephesians 4, verse 16 says this, and I'm not going to take a long time. I, I, um, I just was having too good a time talking to Abraham. I didn't save myself some time, and that's okay. The Bible's going to do the work here. It should anyways, amen? And I hope you discovered some of yourself just listening to Abraham's story. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. I want you to hear that word. Because you're sitting next to somebody you're not sure you like yet. But God said, under his direction, you are, you are put together perfectly. As each part does its own, as each part. Now, just to be clear, that means each person. All right? Each person does its own special, unique 
work. As who you are does what you do, there's something really powerful about that. He's put you here on purpose, all right? As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's a good verse, isn't it? Come on, you can say amen to the Bible. You don't need me to preach it. You can still amen it. It works just as well. That listen, I, when I do what I am called to do, it helps you do what you are called to do. And when you do what you are called to do, it helps me do what I'm called to do. So when you try to do what you're called to do outside of community, you actually short circuit not only your purpose, but your short circuit mind would just stop it. When Jesus called the disciples, he called them together. He went to two brothers and said, you should follow me. Then he went to two more and said, you should follow me. Because the context for calling is always community. And yes, I'm fired up. This is normally when the service ends. So I'm not ramping up. I'm already there. And so here's the thing. We, we sometimes think that the calling is the issue. But maybe the challenge we're facing is that we haven't committed to the community first. Because the context for our calling is community, and here's why. Because community is where your character is developed. Community is where character comes out of your life. You, you are reminded very quickly when you hang out with people whether you are patient or not. Whether you are faith-filled. Whether you have love for people. Whether you're going to be joyful regardless of your circumstance. You find out very quickly. Community is what develops character. And why is that important? Because all of you know that person who is supremely talented but doesn't get along with people and they never make it anywhere. It has nothing to do with whether or not God has put a calling in their hearts. It has everything to do with whether or not they first pursued people. See, sometimes we don't like community because we like the community that's like a nice pat on the back and a hug and we love you and, hey, how you doing? Good. Okay, sweet. We'll talk to you next Sunday. We, we like that community, but the community God's talking about is ugly, it's messy, it's difficult, it's, it causes you to forgive. That's why the gifts of the Spirit are surround, surrounding this chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 that says love and, and forget, keep no record of wrong and be long-suffering. Why do they make me read that at weddings? I will never understand because you are setting the standard way too high. Um, just, just believe all things, endure all things, right? Like what? Why would you read that? Are you winning? That is, I know you're already lying. But here's the thing. The idea of your gifts must be founded upon the fact that we would love people so well that our gifts actually become activated. Because when I do what I'm called to do, when I play my part, it helps you play your part. So here's what I wanted to tell you. It's why I brought Abraham in here. Because when you do what you are called to do, when you are you and only you, nobody else. It actually helps everybody else become who they are called to be. And this is why you need to know this, because you matter more than you've ever thought you mattered. Your value is in the fact that you love people, that you serve people. And I know this, that when you help other people discover their calling, man, how much more quickly you discover your own. See, here's my, the story you just heard from Abraham is a guy who walks into a class. He can't talk. He's young. His mom's just passed away. His dad's just in the most difficult of places. And, and a teacher, a teacher takes care of her student. And now he's here singing a song and leading you in worship. 
Not because she was a musician, not because she tried to be a speaker or a preacher or a teacher, but because, well, she was a teacher and only a teacher. Y'all, lay off. She was a teacher and she loved her student. And some of you are teachers and some of you are moms and dads that stay at home and some of you uh, work at a, a, a grocery store and you hear that ding of the, the, every time you move a product across the line. And let me just tell you something. You may look at that and go, well, this isn't valuable. What if, just what if, some dude comes along who had the worst day in his life contemplating suicide. He's buying this and you look at him and go, man, how are you doing today? And they don't look like they're good and they lie to you and you go, listen, are you okay? I mean, the opportunities you and I have to simply be a light in the dark. Man, I'm telling you, miracles happen on the frontier of the gospel. When you get out there to love people and serve people, that's when you see the most amazing things happen. Jesus didn't heal people in church. He healed people outside of church, and then they came to church. Can I just tell you the best church growth strategy on the planet is not just to put on good services, but to send people into the streets, to love people, serve people, and come back the next week and celebrate what God has been doing at my dinner party and doing at my workplace and doing among my family and my friends. That is what I am here for. Now, the first part of Ephesians 4, verse 16, it says, under his direction. Jesus says to his disciples, follow me. And it is, it is the follow that has, has to happen before the making. You, if you try to make yourself and then follow Jesus, it gets all out of whack. You must follow him. Follow him. Follow him. Now, some of us don't like that word because we think it's an obedience word, and it is. But we don't like the word obedience. But follow ultimately is a relational word because I don't know if you've ever had to ask for directions. I know us fellows, we don't love to ask for directions, although I think that thing is changing. We finally made some difference in America. We're starting to ask for directions more men. Way to go. And you, you like, you, you've ever asked for directions, and somebody looks at you, and this is what they do. They go, hey, if you just go down that way, and you take a right, and you take... That's cool, and I appreciate that. But if you ever had this moment, you, you, you ask someone where to go, and they go, you know what? I'm heading that way. I'm just going to jump in my car. Why don't you just follow me? Isn't there something really, like in church this morning when you walked in, you're trying to find out where to check in your kids, and somebody could tell you, well, if you just go in that door and push through that crowd of people that all stand by the door, because that's what we do, y'all, and, uh, and we just stand at the door, and, and then maybe you can try to squeeze your way through, or someone goes, you know what, why don't I just take you? See, Jesus was looking at the disciples, and he knew he had a call on their life, and he knew he had a hope for their life, and he knew he had something destined for them, and he knew he had a purpose in them, and he didn't just simply go, hey, you should go that way, and then turn right, and then your life will turn this way, and then your life will turn that way. He goes, hey, you know what, why don't you just follow me. See, that's the great thing about Christ. It's different than every other religion. Jesus never points you to something else. He always points you to himself because he is first concerned with your relationship to him, not the things you will do for him. His relationship to you is paramount in his heart and mind, and he wants you to follow him so that he can work you into a place that you become everything he's called you to be. And do all the things you were made for because you were made to live and live life overflowing. Amen. I want the worship team to come on up. And I'm going to pray in just a moment. But I just, maybe you identified with some of the things Abraham talked about. Maybe for some of us, the challenge right now is not that we are struggling with this idea of whether or not we're called, or maybe that's what we think the challenge is. We're struggling with this idea that I have a calling or a purpose or unique destiny, and we're struggling with this thing. And maybe, maybe what we need to do is shift our focus into a place where, you know what, this is about people first. 
Because I just want to tell you that the, the, if you aren't you, then I can't be me. You matter to me. You matter to Jesus. I, I, if I'm not who I am, if I get caught up in doing what that guy does and what that guy does and what that thing's happening, then I'm actually going to lose the influence I'm called to have. Listen, you're made with a purpose. You're made with a heart that beats for what God made you for. And for some of us, we are challenged by the idea that we don't know. And what if we choose wrong? Listen, if you choose people, you always choose right. If you'll love people, if you'll serve people. Today, you need to know that you matter. And you probably matter more than you ever thought you did. And you don't just matter to yourself. Your calling and your purpose is not just for you. Your calling and your purpose is for us. And Jesus has called you into a relationship with him so that he can make you and form you and shape you. And it does require that we get rid of wanting to go our own way. Because I don't know if you've ever followed someone to something, walked behind them, and you're not sure if you're supposed to talk to them, make a joke, crack it. Like, you don't know, but it, it sometimes be difficult. Here's the thing. When you follow Jesus, it will take some time for you to understand exactly how that relationship's going to work. But in the process, you're going to discover some things about yourself, discover some things about who God is, and you will begin to live life in a freer place. Because no longer are you making yourself, he's making you. And you get to enjoy the fruits of what God is doing in your heart and life. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for what you've done already.